Hey, good evening. Welcome to Live It Out with James Paul White. I am James, and I am so glad you're here. A um, little disappointed because I uh, thought I had some new people on the podcast and uh, that was listening, and then apparently the numbers have dropped off again. So that's fine. Um, just have to keep plugging away. I think today... This lesson may not appear to be all that great, but I think this lesson is going to be great. I know we're only covering John 14, 7 through 11. If you keep tracking, this is week five of the series. And let me just say something real quick in case you didn't catch the video I did uh, the other day. Um, By the way, we're going to go back to the Monday-Wednesday format. I do a video on Monday, do a video on Wednesday, do the podcast on Wednesday because I need to work out at least twice a week and I'm going to do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So anyway, uh, I know this, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at just verses 7 through 11, you're like, well, what are you going to get from that? And let me tell you what I'm going to get for that after I read it to you. Now, I had the New King James. There we go. All right. John 14, verses 7 through 11. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So I talked about in the video how when I was like seven or eight years old, uh, this lady walks up to me, and I had never seen this person in my life. And she's like, oh, you're Louis' grandson. And that really meant a lot to me because I I love my grand, grandfather. Uh, Grandpa Rudolph was a great guy. Um, I looked up to him when I was a kid. And um, although, you know... Nowadays, you know, the thought of somebody having 17 children is like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> um, but, you know, to each their own. Um, and he got dressed every morning and he, it's funny, he, I thought for the longest time that he was an executive. And he got dressed up every morning. My mom would drop me off at my grandparents' house in the morning and I I would catch the school bus there until I got older, but um, I watched him get dressed in the morning. He used to use the brush with the shaving cream and the single blade razor, and then he put on his shirt and then the vest and then the sport and the the sport jacket. And I'm telling you, he just looked amazing every morning. And he drove this really really nice Lincoln Town car. And so I found out later, much later, uh, he wasn't an executive. He was the CEO's 
limo driver. So basically he was a chauffeur. So I was a little disappointed, you know, but basically what happened was when the CEO of the company that he worked for got a new limo, they gave him the old one. So yes, when I rode in it, it rode like a tank. I mean, it was just absolutely, I would just say a tank. It, it, it felt like you were in a train on rails because it was so solid. And of course, with limos, they reinforce the frame and they make it stiffer. And I, I share all of that because, um, you know, growing up in upstate New York and, you know, I, I would see him every morning get dressed and get ready for work. And he was somebody that I looked up to. And then for someone to come along and say, hey, you look like him. That was pretty cool. Now, what Jesus is saying to these guys is, look at my works. Look at the way I have lived in front. Because he is our example. He's not just our savior. He's our example. And so what I did was, for this lesson, is I looked at all the different things he did from John chapter 2 all the way up to John chapter 12. Look at, the, look at his deeds and look at the type of person that Jesus was and is. And you're like, well, I could never be like that. Yes, you can. We have to follow his example. So let's go. If you want to flip through the Bible, you can. If not, you can just listen. But I would encourage you to later, sometime later this week, read through the book, the Gospel of John. Because if you go to John chapter 2, you're going to read about the miracle of turning water into wine. Now, why do you do that? Well, in that era, in the ancient Near East, in what is now Israel, um, the bridegroom, you know, the man, their family was supposed to pay for the party afterwards which means in Jewish customs, there's going to be a lot of wine. If you don't believe me, uh, when I was a uh, minister in the Oklahoma City area, I was actually invited to come to a Jewish synagogue and participate in Passover. And they had this elaborate meal, and it was, it was great. I mean, the food was great. It just the people were, were really friendly. It was just a wonderful experience. But I don't drink that much, hardly at all. Um, I might have a Guinness on St. Patrick's Day, um, just because I do have a little bit of Irish in me. Uh, might have a, a beer or two on uh, if I go to an Oktoberfest. Uh, yes, my family is mostly German, um, but I don't drink that much. And after the second glass of wine, I was starting to feel it, and I was like, oh, I better stop. And they kept wanting to give me more, and I was like, mm, I got to drive back. I got an hour drive. Uh, this is not good. <sighs> so I had water the rest of the night, but. 
in a Jewish wedding, there's a lot of wine, and the wine ran out. Jesus did not want that bridegroom to get in trouble with, with the community. And so he did the miracle to help the bridegroom. It wasn't about trying to show off or, look at me, I can do miracles. No, it wasn't like that at all. John chapter 3. Yeah, we all know John 3.16, but in the context, Jesus was teaching a Pharisee about the what's real spirituality and what's not. And because Jesus took the time to teach this man and to show him the truth, later on, Nicodemus was there to, uh, excuse me, um, to help prepare his body. You know, Jesus was a patient teacher. He was a caring teacher. And that's what we need to be with each other. John chapter 4, Jesus talks to a woman at the well. And if you look at the details of that story, she was there at high noon. Most people got their water early in the morning because they didn't want to have to carry it in the heat of the day. You know why she went at noon? Because she knew nobody else would be there. People in the town knew that she had been with more than one husband. They knew that. Most likely they shamed her for it. But you see, Jesus took someone who was practically an outcast in her own community and used her to be a catalyst to share the truth with that community. That's pretty cool. He talked to her, engaged with her, and treated her with respect in a time and era where people treated women like, or men treated women like property. So, not so much into modern feminism, but I would definitely say this. I believe in following the example of Jesus and that we need to treat, men need to treat women with respect. We're not, I don't believe that we're the same. I believe we have different roles. But we need to treat everyone. <sighs> Excuse me. We need to treat everybody with respect. <clears throat> I did buy iced coffee on my way home. So let me take a swig of this. By the way, I was told I was borderline pre-diabetic. So yes, I did get something with zero sugar. Um... John chapter 5, the man at the pool who had an infirmity for 38 years. Now, how, do we, how do we in our society treat people who have a disability? Jesus loved this man. He cared for this man and empowered this man by... I mean, he could have put him in the pool 
but instead he set him free from his infirmity. You know, we have the ability to care for others. Now, no, we're not like, in, in a way, we're not like Jesus because obviously he's co-equal with God, but in a way we are in the sense that we can pray for somebody. You know, we you don't need to walk around slapping people on the forehead saying, you're healed. But you can, if somebody is hurting and in pain, you say, hey, I think we should pray about that. And, and say, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And then just say, hey, you know, God, I thank you for my friend, or, you know, whoever it is. Um, I'm asking you to heal, heal, this per- heal him or her uh, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Uh, please bring healing and wholeness into their life. Uh, I thank you for how you you love us and care for us, and I thank you for this healing in Jesus' name. Boom, you're done. What, it took like less than 30 seconds to, to say a prayer? Jesus cared for the man who was disabled. How many of us today look the other way, or we we are uh, judgmental or critical of somebody who's different than us. You know, I used to run a group home and I worked in a facility for people who had developmental disabilities. I've got about nine years total working with people who have developmental disabilities between the two group homes I've managed and the large facility I worked at. I know people in society still look at people who have intellectual disabilities I know people are are judgmental I've seen it and it's sad but let me tell you something I don't care if you got an IQ of 20 or an IQ of 200 if you're a human being you are worthy of dignity and respect and that's what we need to give each other I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care if you wear a dress size 2 or a dress size 20. We are all worthy of of dignity and respect because we're created by God. So. Um, John chapter 6. He cares for the multitude. You know, he feeds them. Why? Because he loves people. Okay, let me pull that up. John 6. Okay, verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. Verse 3. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat with his disciples. Of course, he asked him in verse 5 where... Shall we buy bread that these may eat? And of course he knew what he was going to do because he was just testing them. He had them sit down. And then he prayed 
gave thanks, distributed them, and then it says he, he told them to gather up the fragments that remain. And in verse 13 he says, it says, Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This truly is the prophet who has come into the world. Now I have heard an alternative explanation beyond, besides the supernatural, which was, that Jesus broke bread and blessed it, and when he started to hand it out, there were people in the crowd that realized, oh, I'm being selfish. I need to share too. And so what they did was they took out the bread or fish or other food that they had, and they began to share it with the people around them as well. Interesting perspective. And whether you believe that somehow... Jesus multiplied bread and fish by lifting it up and praying and then bringing it down and then handing it out, whether he did that over and over again, or you believe that people in the crowd began to share, I would call either one of those things a miracle. And it doesn't really matter because the simple fact is Jesus did what he did because he cares for people. He loves people. He loved everyone that was in the crowd. And uh, that's what we need to do. John chapter 7. And specifically verse 38. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. Let's see here. John's... Let me start in verse 33. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then verse 35. Then the Jews said to, among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said? You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood out, stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And this is the one I want to focus on right here. Verse 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now what does that mean? Well, it tells you in verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those who believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, Jesus knew the plan of God and was there to carry it out. He wants to carry out the will of God, and he wanted to do it because he cares for us. I mean, it's hard enough to resist temptation and to not lash out at people when they're being mean. and But you don't have to do it on your own power and ability. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. And if we'll listen, He'll guide us and direct us. Remember Elijah hid from um, the queen um, Jezebel. 
and it says, see, I think it's First Kings 19. It says that he saw the fire and God was not in the fire, and he saw and he felt the wind and God and he wasn't in the wind, and then he heard a whisper, and he knew that God had spoken to him, and he fell to the ground. I think that's the way the Holy Spirit is with us. When the, whole, the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to us, He'll just gently say, I don't think you should do that. Or in a positive way, He'll say, I think you should help this person. Or, why don't you hold the door open for that person? Simple things like that. And sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't. And when we don't, Sometimes he'll be quiet. He'll sit back. And you wonder why things aren't going so well. You're like, God, where are you? No, excuse me. And the Holy Spirit will be like, I've been trying to talk to you for a while. You wouldn't listen. So. All right. John 8, specifically verses 1 through 11, they, they bring a woman caught in adultery. And they're, they're challenging him. Well, the law says that we're supposed to stone this woman. But what do you say, teacher? And it's interesting because, number one, where's the guy? You can't be caught in adultery unless you're with someone else. Not to sound mean or crude or um, perverse, but uh, if someone walks in and um, you are pleasuring yourself, uh, you are not committing adultery. You're masturbating. So obviously this woman caught in adultery had to have been a guy there. Where's he at? I have a funny feeling that he was possibly just a theory. He may have been a Pharisee. So obviously they're not going to bring him out there and embarrass him in front of the crowd. And we have no earthly idea what he wrote on the ground. I don't care. People can have all kinds of theories, but theories are good. I'd like to think he wrote, he wrote down what it says in Deuteronomy 6, where it talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's my own theory. But it's funny. <laughs> I made a mistake in my notes and I just caught it. Let me fix this real quick. But if you look at the character of Jesus in this moment, he cares for the woman caught in adultery. Now he tells her, go and sin no more. Which basically means... You need to end this relationship. If you're married, you don't need to be sleeping with anybody else but your spouse. 
bottom line. That's just the way it is. Um, John 9, he, Jesus spits on the ground and makes mud, puts it in a blind's man, uh, blind man's eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He cares for those who may be disabled. I know we talked about that a little bit earlier, but I want to drive home the point that he cares for people. He cares for those that society pushes away. Maybe you feel like you've been um, pushed away by a group of people. I mean, we all feel rejection at some point in our life. How would you feel if you couldn't see? Well, this guy was able to see. And then he was shunned by the Pharisees because he wasn't trained by them. You know, how dare you try to teach us? That's what they say. John 10. You know, Jesus tells them in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. See, the thing about Jesus is he loves the sheep, meaning us. And he's willing to die for the sheep, which he did on the cross. John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It wasn't to show off. I believe he did it because he cares for Lazarus. And then John 12, Mary pours ointment on Jesus' feet. And of course the disciples are excuse me, indignant. You see, he cares about Mary. And he defends her. And he says, hey, what she did was to prepare me for my burial. For my burial. How many times when people do things and we instantly judge and we don't look at the person's heart? You instantly assume the negative. Jesus knew the heart behind what she was doing, why she did it. That's what we need to do. We need to assume the best in people. Stop judging them. Then, of course, I believe John 13 through 16, the reason that Jesus taught them is because he cares about the disciples. He's preparing these guys for what life was going to be like after he leaves the earth. Of course, he also spent 40 days with them before he ascended back into heaven, too. So, now, I mean, I I hammered that point home again and again and again and again, and I hope you got it. Because the point is, is that Jesus cares for people. And we need to care for people. Not just in our words, but in our actions as well. Have you made somebody's life better today? Now, I'm not trying to beat you up. This, this is going to be a place where I, my sole purpose, well, there's a couple purposes for me being online and 
doing YouTube and doing um, yeah, YouTube videos and doing a podcast. Number one, I want to put good content on the internet. There's enough junk on the internet. We need some good stuff. Number two, I want to give you an encouraging word. I love you. I care about you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to be more like Jesus. That's that's why I do what I do. And the thing is, you can do it. But you need to be in the Word on a daily basis. You need to be reading your Bible on a daily basis. What you put into your mind is what's going to come out. That's just a fact. You know, you need to... People will say, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't agree with that. Because you're going to act like the people you hang around. Are people who go to church perfect? Of course not. And there's a chance you may have been hurt by somebody who, who's in a church or who goes to church. But here's the thing. we were If you're a born-again believer, you have been given grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of works, lest anyone should boast. Well, it's Ephesians 2.8 and 9. So, you've been saved by grace, you've been given grace, and then when someone does you wrong, you want justice. How about next time you give them grace? So, and we've come to the end of our time. It has been 30 minutes. That's been a lesson that's been on my heart for a long time. And it uh, feels pretty good to sit down, put it on out on the internet, on the podcast. Because we really, truly need to look at the life of Jesus and strive to imitate him the best we can. And I would say this to close. Make it your daily prayer. Help me, God, to be more like Jesus each and every day. Help me to walk like he did and to live like he did and to love other people like he does. Because he loves you more than I possibly could. So... We are going to go back to the, what I was doing before just because I, I, I do need to work out on Tuesdays and when, on Thursdays. So that we'll do a video on Monday. We'll do the podcast on Wednesday. Um, if you listen to it on, on Thursday this week, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I, I did it early this week. I was going to do it tomorrow, but I, I really need to work out. Um, and I would encourage you to find some way to stay in shape as well. You need to take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. You need to take care of all four parts of your being. So, anyway, uh, I may put out a video later tonight or tomorrow or Friday. Um, please keep uh, watching on YouTube. Look for my name, James Paul White. Um... And God willing, by the end of the year, we'll establish uh, 
Encouraging Word Ministries and then as a nonprofit. That way I can travel and, um, and teach the Bible and really just start um, I, I don't want a big platform just for, for my namesake. I want a big platform so I can bless people and encourage people and help people to become more more like Jesus. That's the ultimate mission of this ministry is to help people grow and become more like Jesus and to um, encourage people and spur them on to love and good works. So, Thank you for listening. I uh, love you guys, especially the faithful few who have been listening since day one. And I will, uh, I'll be back next week with uh, week number six. Talk to you later.